This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing one-on-one comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services, including women's health, chronic pain treatment, TMJ, and more, with four locations in Fox Point, Grafton, Brookfield, and McGuanago, Wisconsin. More information at freedompt.com. Hi, this is Brady from Freedom Talks. Today we're talking to Mike Verplanke uh, about dry needling and how he got into PT. Uh, so we're going to get right into it. Mike, um, you've been in Grafton for how long now? Uh, I have uh, lived in Grafton since 2004, so it's been 15 years, but I've been working here at Freedom since 2005, so uh, 14 years I, uh, I've been working here. And how uh, how long have you been managing? Um, I started managing the clinic in 2010. We um, we at that point we had um, two full time therapists and a part time therapist, and now we're up to uh, five full time therapists. So it's uh, it's definitely had a, a nice run of growth for us. And how how have you found that different from being just a treating PT when you're first hired on? Well, it definitely has its challenges uh, and rewards. You know, the the neat thing that has occurred is that we have seen a, a large growth, um, not only in the employees that we have in the clinic, but also um, in the number of patients that we're able to to treat and help. Um, you know, when you're just a therapist and you're just kind of going through, uh, you know, the day treating uh, treating patients. Uh, that definitely has a reward because you are making a difference in people's lives. Uh, when you are managing the clinic, you know, you're not only treating patients, but now you're also dealing with the ins and outs of the business, uh, the ins and outs of managing people, uh, different personalities, different, uh, different emotions that happen throughout the day. Uh, you're trying to keep yourself busy, but you're also trying to keep the rest of the staff busy. So it definitely has some challenges, but uh, it has been a lot of fun um, over the last, well, nine years now that I've been doing it. Did you work anywhere before? I did. Freedom? Actually, my first job was in Racine, Kenosha area. Um, my, uh, I was living in Shorewood, so it wasn't a terrible commute. It was a little longer, but uh, I went to uh, PT school in Chicago, and just trying to go 10 miles there was over an hour, so uh, at least I was moving. <laughs> at least the, the traffic was moving, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't braked. Uh, you know, car to car, bumper to bumper traffic. And so before you became a PT, you played competitive hockey as a child. And then you also played in college, correct? I did actually. Uh, yeah, I started playing hockey when I was four. My my parents had season tickets to the St. Louis Blues and they would take me to the games. I would get to sit on their lap and watch the game. Um, it was a lot of fun back when we would go and um I remember watching and wanting to to play, and uh, my dad could couldn't skate. My mom could kind of skate, but not very well. Um, so they got me in, and um, I just I just took off. Um, I used to love watching the goalies, so I kind of gravitated toward that position. 
And uh, I remember um, that the first time that I played goal, I actually got a shutout, uh, and I just loved it. It was it was a lot of fun. So I uh, I, I kind of stuck with that position. Uh, and the other reason was I was uh, I had asthma, so I was had trouble skating, <laughs> keeping up with everybody. So uh, so me being in a little four by six box was kind of nice. I didn't have to I didn't have to skate so hard. And then you eventually you went on and played at St. Mary's, uh, where you went to undergrad. Yes, I uh, um, played at St. Mary's in Winona, Minnesota. It was a Division three program. Um, didn't get to play as much as I would, had hoped, but uh, definitely had some opportunities every year to play. I remember um, my senior year. I, I didn't get to play until my last, the, our last game. We didn't make the playoffs. I uh, finally got to play the last game of the season. Uh, and we beat Bethel College. Um, I believe it was seven to two, and I actually got an assist that game as well. So, um, you know, it was a lot of hard work that year. I, I, I um, you know, the summer between my junior and senior year, I really kind of rededicated myself to, you know, getting in shape and getting ready for the season and didn't really have the opportunity to play that I wanted to, um, but hung with it. And, um, you know, I just made sure I was ready for practices and, and every game's just in case and finally got an opportunity and I uh, definitely think I took advantage of it. I wish I would have had more, but that's all right. Uh, I still play now. Um, we have Freedom Physical Therapy actually sponsors um, our men's league team at the Ozaki Ice Rink. Uh, we play on Sunday nights in the competitive league and uh, the last few years we've had some excellent regular seasons and we've kind of fallen apart in the playoffs uh, unfortunately, I think part of that is attendance-wise. Uh, uh, the playoffs for the for the men's league typically is right around spring break, so we have a lot of people that kind of um, are going out of town and have to miss. So uh, the playoffs have been a little bit of a struggle for our team, but uh, uh, but we've had a lot of fun. It's 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 a good group of guys, and uh, we have a very good time. I would agree. Yeah, Mike and I both play on that that team, um, and it is a lot of fun. Um, so during your undergrad, did playing hockey influence your decision to, uh, go to PT school or was that always the plan? You know, when I, when I got into undergrad, I knew I wanted to do something in healthcare. Um, I just wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And, um, during my freshman year in hockey, I actually, um, partially tore my medial meniscus and my, uh, MCL on my left knee. And had to go through physical therapy. Uh, and that kind of started to pique my interest on it. And then again, my sophomore year, I actually had, uh, during during uh, hockey season, I had somebody land on my knee. Uh, and I dislocated my kneecap and um, tore my MCL and my medial meniscus on my right knee and had to go through a little bit more extensive therapy. Uh, and I think it was during that point that kind of really pushed me to physical therapy instead of med school or nursing or PA, um, it, it definitely kind of opened my eyes to uh, how rehab can make a big difference. Uh, I was able to actually avoid surgery because of the rehab that I did. Um, and I think it has saved my knees now because I still have all, well, whatever's left, <laughs> but at least my meniscus, there it's still there. Um, so I haven't had to have any surgically removed or anything like that. So, uh, and my knees knock on wood, my knees are feeling pretty good right now. Still, I can still play at a, at a high and competitive level and I can still 
you know, run around with my kids and play, you know, softball and other sports. So, um, you know, I think that really was the turning point in my decision to go into the PT field. I mean, I've seen you play for what, three years now, four years now? Yeah, three, four years. Yeah. And you're probably at 41 years 43. old, 43 years old, Little man, still, <laughs> still probably the, the best or one of the best goalies, um, playing competitively at our rink. And is it, is there something, I mean, obviously you're PT, so you know how to take care of your body and things like that. But what, what are you doing to stay, uh, injury free and still be able to do things like the splits and dive for pucks and Take guys out. Well, I probably should be doing more. I should probably practice what I preach a little bit more. I do. I do stretch. Um, I stretch more during the season than I do in the off season. I probably should do a little bit more in the off season. Um, But I do a lot of. I I am very active. You know, I I work out three to four times a week um, when I'm not playing hockey, which is right now uh, because it's warm out. I'm playing softball. Um, and playing a lot of things with the kids in the backyard, so working on soccer, basketball, things like that. So they definitely keep me active. I'm running around after them and uh, chasing them and trying to get them to go through drills as well. Um, so I, I think just being active um, really helps the, the joints, the muscles uh, to recover, um, and you get an active stretch when you're just working out. You know, as long as you're taking yourself through the full motion, um, you know, I think there's something to more of the active stretch than just doing static stretching um, and holding a position for 30 seconds or a minute or even longer. Um, and I think that can be a challenge for a lot of people and it's kind of boring. Um, so I, for me, just being active and, and you know, weightlifting, um, getting on the elliptical. Um, I don't run as much as I used to only because I, I kind of want to avoid any knee issues and some of the impacts uh, uh, that running can have on my knees. Um, I, I don't think that it will, but again, I'm just kind of trying to avoid a little bit of uh, the extra pounding that my knees will take so that I can at least make it through the season. There's some decent research out there that says you don't necessarily need to run or jog uh, to maintain cardiovascular endurance. And mm-hmm. there's other things you can do for explosive power, especially Absolutely. for hockey. So Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, again, like I get on the elliptical, which is nice, but it's kind of a steady, you know, uh, steady pace. Um, but doing a lot of circuit training, circuit weight training, I think takes me through um, – um, it takes me through some of the cardio as well. Um, and then a lot of the power work that I'll do, I'll do a lot of lunges and, and some plyo work that uh, definitely gets me gets me ready. Yeah, and uh, being a homegrown St. Louis hockey player, you've got to be excited about the Blues. They're up 3-2 in the, the Western Conference Final. Very excited, very excited. Game six is tonight, 7 o'clock in St. Louis. I will definitely, after work, get home and and watch the game um it's it's an exciting time because the blues are the oldest franchise to never have won the stanley cup um they were one of the first expansion franchises and uh uh the other well four of the six have won a cup uh one is now has been disbanded so that's they've been out of the league for many many years um it would be nice to see the Blues 
make it to the cup finals, but it would be even better to see him win it. Um, you know, they, they made the Stanley Cup finals in their first three years of existence, but that was uh, kind of the NHL's way of kind of being goofy, which they unfortunately sometimes still are. Uh, where they had the winner of the original six play the winner of the expansion six, and you know the first three years of the Blues' existence, that was them. They uh, they took on an original six team, but they got swept every year. So the Blues, the franchise themselves, have still not even won a Stanley Cup final game. Um, so this would be this would be a huge win tonight. They're at home, in front of the crowd. It would be great if they could play Gloria. Um, <laughs> Get that win, move on to the finals, play Boston, and uh, and get a little revenge for Bobby Orr's uh, goal, that flying goal that clinched the cup for him. Yeah, I think I think they've got a good chance, and you know Jordan Bennington has been amazing since he came out from the AHL. I yeah. mean, I don't think he's lost back to back games, or it might have only been once he's lost back to back games since he came in and. Uh, January, December. Yeah, he's definitely been a stabilizer back uh, in goal for the Blues. Um, and I think that's what they needed. You know, he he has made some tremendous saves, but really he's making all the saves that you want your goalie to make. He's saving them on some of the saves that you would think that he shouldn't make. Um, and he's just giving his, his team a chance to win. Um, the Blues can roll four solid lines. They're not going to get stranded if their fourth line is on the ice. And they've actually, uh, I believe the fourth line has scored a goal in the last three games. Um, so they can, they can check, they can pop in some goals. They can keep pressure on the, uh, on the other team. Um, you've got Bennington back there who's can play the puck and it's kind of like a third defenseman. Um, you know, they really are a very deep team. They're not a, a top heavy team at all. Uh, and I think that's what has gotten them this point is, uh, is just their depth overall and definitely having Bennington back there to be a stabilizer. Well, we'll certainly be rooting for the blues, uh, for your sake and for the St. Louis fan base. Um, so, uh, after the break, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about, uh, dry needling and how it can, uh, help, an athletic performance and uh, how it can also help with uh, headaches and migraines as it is Migraine Awareness Month. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing exceptional one-to-one hands-on care to the greater Milwaukee area for over 25 years. Our physical and occupational therapists prepare custom plans for your condition to relieve pain and improve performance. Allow us to help you enjoy more freedom at freedompt.com. All right, welcome back to Freedom Talks. Um, we're going to talk right now about dry needling. Uh, Mike's been dry needling certi- dry needle certified um, for quite a while now. Five or six years now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of therapists at uh, the clinic that are dry needle certified, and they use it as a tool every day uh, to help patients um, relieve uh, muscle pain that they're having. So we want to talk about how it works and why they use it as a tool and um, how it's different from other treatments um, that you may see in a PT clinic or at an acupuncturist, things like that. So. Um, we're going to start by just what, what is dry needling and, and how does it work? So basically dry needling, um, what we utilize is basically a similar needle to what acupuncturists use. So it's a solid filament needle. 
which is why they call it dry needling. We're not injecting anything. Um, it's, it is just the solid needle, um, but it is a very thin, very small needle. Again, similar to what acupuncturists use. And right there, that's the only similarity to acupuncture that we have. Um, what we are doing is palpating or, or kind of feeling the muscles, trying to figure out where the taut band is in the muscle and where the trigger point is. And the trigger point is almost like almost like a knot. So if you've ever kind of given anybody, you know, a back rub or a massage or something, you kind of feel some tightness. Usually in those taut bands and that's that tight area, there are going to be some trigger points. Now those trigger points can be active or latent. And what we mean by that is we all have trigger points, but they might not be actively causing you pain, symptoms, or problems. Um, if they're not really causing you any issues, but you still have them, then they're latent. So they're kind of dormant. They're there, but you're not really physically noticing an issue. The problem that occurs is when those latent trigger points become active trigger points. And that can be caused by, uh, you know, poor posture, uh, unaccustomed activity. You know, if you were if you used to be a runner and, and or you used to work out and you hadn't worked out or ran for quite a while and all of a sudden you decide that you're going to get back into doing it, you know, it's activity that your body's not quite used to anymore. That can be a trigger point development um, or any trauma. Those active trigger points can cause some localized pain. So if you've got an, act, uh, an active trigger point in your upper, upper trap, you know, uh, basically the upper back area, um, you can have some localized pain in that upper trap, or that muscle can actually cause some referred pain. And sometimes that referred pain can kind of go up into the neck or even into the head and kind of produce some sort of headache symptom. Um, what we'll do is we'll palpate for where that trigger point is, and then we actually tap the needle in. And then we actually insert the needle into the muscle to try to basically hit the trigger point. Um, when we hit the trigger point with the needle, it actually causes a central nervous system response or a, a twitch response in that muscle. That is important because that's what's going to help with muscle relaxation, improving blood flow to that muscle, um, and helping to basically get rid of some of the, uh, the pain-generating chemicals that have accumulated in that trigger point. Um, at that trigger point, it, it restricts the good blood flow to the area. So it, it, I mean, there's a whole, um, I guess, you know, uh, changes the pH and a whole chemical cascade that happens. So it gets a little bit um, high tech as far as kind of what goes on. But what we're trying to do with the needling technique is to restore the normal blood flow, restore the normal tissue uh, tension, get the muscle to relax and get rid of... Um, uh, get rid of that localized tightness to hopefully reduce localized and some of the referred pain patterns. Yeah, so I've been dry needled a few times by a few of the therapists here, and it it feels kind of like a, a jumping sensation when mm -hmm. you do hit the trigger point. Um, the upper traps seem to be the one that you can get the most jumps out of, and um, it's uh, you can't feel the needle go in. The, the needle's so thin. Yes, yeah, so you, you, you really aren't going to feel the needle. And what, you're go what you are going to feel, as Brady alluded to, is, is that twitch response. Now, some muscles 
twitch a little stronger and are a little bit more intense than others. Obviously, the upper trap, a lot of people carry a lot of tension and stress in their upper traps. Um, and just with poor posture because of sitting at you know a desk or working on a computer, working on your phones and things of that nature, uh, we do develop a lot of trigger points in the upper traps. That's a very strong muscle, and when that muscle twitches, it is a stronger twitch. Um, I would say the calves are another one that twitch a little stronger. Um, you know, so typically afterwards, our patients are a little achy and crampy for a couple of hours, um, and then a little sore for usually about 24 hours. And when I say sore, it's usually kind of like a workout muscle soreness. Um, just like you got, you know, finished working out at the gym and you have that, that soreness for about a day or two. And that's kind of what it feels like um, for about a day afterwards. Um, but that twitch response is the important part because that is what we are trying to get to, to make sure that we're hitting the trigger point and that we're getting that trigger point to loosen up. How similar is the, the soreness chemically to like a delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS that you'd feel after working out? Chemically, it's different. Okay. Um, but the sensation is very similar. You know, it is kind of that delayed onset muscle soreness kind of sensation that you feel after you're working out. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that, having been needled. Yeah. Um, so the, the biggest thing with um, dry needling and preparing for this podcast is I was doing a lot of re- look, looking at a lot of research articles that they were doing, and a lot of them were based on uh, therapy and rehab for athletes. Um, or just how to improve performance in athletes. Um, a couple of the studies that came up, they did one on, on tennis elbow, so you know chronic pain uh, on the outside of the, the elbow, correct? Or the inside? Yes. Uh, well, on, uh, for tennis elbow is on the outside. Outside, right. Um, but yes, I mean, you know, the benefits of, the dry, of dry needling are, are huge. I mean, again, we all have trigger points throughout our, throughout our body. Um, and not only can they cause pain, but it can cause restrictions in range of motion. It can cause uh, deficits in our ability to recruit a muscle in order f- to have that muscle, you know, perform. Um, it can cause strength deficits. So there are actually um, um, therapists that will needle uh, professional athletes even before they play just to improve muscle activity, uh, the muscle activity patterns, um, muscle sequencing for, um, for their athletic event. Uh, I know it's big with the tennis association. Uh, I know there's been quite a few um, um, professional athletes that have had dry needling as a treatment for some muscle pulls and strains, uh, calf injuries, hamstrings, glutes and quads hip flexors, um, they all respond very well um, to help with improving uh, blood flow to the muscle, improving the healing time so that the athletes can get back to their sports quicker. Uh, I know personally last year um, I, I pulled my quad playing softball, and I, I have been lucky enough to say that I have never really pulled a muscle before. Um, and I, I could barely, I could barely walk, um, let alone try to swing a bat and get out of the batter's box to try to run to first base. Um, 
And I went through needling here at the clinic with a couple of my therapists and I was back out in, uh, in two weeks. Uh, I, I probably could have played the next week, but I, I want, I, you know, I'm getting older and it's <laughs> men's league softball. That doesn't really matter. So, so I decided to actually be smart for once in my life and, uh, and take a, a you know, a couple weeks off and, uh, just allow it to heal. But it definitely has been um, it has been a great technique to help keep athletes on the field, but also get them back to their sport uh, in a quicker fashion. Yeah, the the study that they they did found that and it, it was almost all athletes pain function and grip strength improved with dry needling compared to those who did not receive that treatment and had the the mm-hmm. same time uh, time frame for rehab. Right. And, and again, because the, the trigger points themselves can restrict your ability to activate that muscle. So it can limit your strength. It can cause range of motion deficits. So by being able to uh, to free up those trigger points to, impl- to improve circulation to the area, uh, we can then start to activate those muscles better so that they can actually function how they were meant to function. And it definitely increases strength and range of motion while decreasing pain should somebody have some pain. So say like an, a high school athlete, um, they have an injury or muscular injury and, you know, they're probably looked at by the athletic trainer from their school right away. Um, and they say, you know, you've got a pulled muscle or, um, yeah, I think this, this muscle is injured in some way, shape or form. Um, when should they go directly to see a doctor to maybe get some imaging done or should they come to a PT first or what are they also looking for in terms of um, if they are going to get dry needled, what certifications do they need to look at um, when maybe looking online to see uh, who offers it? Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a, there's a lot of factors that go into as far as, you know, when an athlete should go see a doctor, when an athlete should get an MRI um, or just go to a therapist. You know, I think a lot of that is dependent on the injury, you know, how they were um, evaluated at the time of the injury um, and, you know, what everybody was, what the, the athletic trainer and the, and the uh, on-site physician, um, you know, what they think the severity is. So just assuming that there's nothing structurally wrong, there's no nothing broken, there's no ligament damage or meniscal damage or anything along those lines and that it is purely a soft tissue injury without any, um, you know, tendon rupture or tendon, uh, uh, tears away from the bone. Um, you know, I think the sooner, the better, uh, as far as getting into a therapist who can needle, um, because it will help the healing process. It will speed it up. It will get it going quicker. You know, in years past as therapists, we would do just a lot of, of manual therapy, you know, digging and soft tissue and deep friction and, you know, getting our elbows in and our knuckles in and trying to free things up, which we still do. We still utilize, but sometimes these trigger points are so deep that no matter how hard we push and how long we're digging and doing the uh, soft tissue mobilizations, we just can't get to certain areas. So, you know, the needle is a great extension of our fingers to be able to get to places that we just can't get to or that we hadn't been able to get to in years past. Um, but again, I think, uh, I, I think the, the sooner the better, if it is a soft tissue injury, um, 
and again, we have we have seen some very good progress, and I know there is um, some good literature, good research out there um, that is showing the benefits of dry needling. Yeah, and that's it's been evident just working in the clinic how uh, beneficial it's been to patients, and we always get such good reviews from patients that have been needled, and they're like, ah, "This is great." I didn't never didn't think that I would get better this quickly, or didn't think I'd be able to do this activity again. So it's been great. Um, so not only is it great for athletes and things like that, but it is Migraine Awareness Month, and I um, you have a specialty in treating uh, TMJ TMD. Um, but a lot of our therapists also see a lot of spine and neck um, and headaches and things like that. Um, how can dry needling help with with migraines and headaches and things like that? And if you have headaches, where are you? Uh, why is dry needling an effective treatment? I really think dry needling has been a game changer for my patients who have chronic tension headaches, migraines, but also a lot of my patients that are in chronic pain. Um, as you mentioned, I do have my certification in um, t- treating uh, people who have uh, TMJ issues or TMD, uh, but also uh, in the head and neck. Um, and a lot of chronic tension headaches are, are really derived from the musculature in the head and in, and in the neck. Um, dry needling has been just an awesome treatment technique for these patients. Um, so many patients have been dealing with headaches for years, um, have been reliant on medications. Uh, they've tried uh, chiropractic and they've tried physical therapy in the past and they've tried acupuncture. And, you know, they might get some relief here and there, but nothing that's been longstanding um, that's been able to really break the cycle. Uh, and it seems like a lot of the dry needling that we've been able to do has been able to help to break the cycle. What we've, what we've been noticing um, based on trigger point referral patterns that there are some trigger points in the base of the skull, but also in the neck that can refer into the head and the head uh, and the facial region, that if we can do some trigger point release, some dry needling on those muscles, uh, we can recreate those symptoms, but then we can also get those symptoms uh, lessened and even eliminated. Um, once we deal with the muscle, though, we have to work on strength and we have to work on posture. Otherwise, these symptoms are going to come right back. Um, but it has been a tremendous, tremendous tool for us to help give some patients a lot of relief from the daily headaches and the chronic headaches and even some of the migraines that they've been dealing with. I think going back to referral pains, that was when I was first learning about the the process of dry needling, that's kind of what I was most surprised to learn about was that um, it, it's actually the referral pattern that the trigger point is causing that, that's actually giving you the symptoms. So you, you might have a headache in the, the front of your head, uh, but it's actually something going on in your neck. Right. And uh, Dr. Simons and Travell really were the pioneers in kind of mapping the trigger points. Uh, in, mus- in certain muscles and kind of where the localized and referred pain patterns went. Uh, and it's based on their research all those years ago that we have, you know, these beautiful trigger points, uh, you know, pictures of, of, okay, if you've got a trigger point in this muscle, well, where are those referred pain patterns typically? Um, and, you know, I can pull out those, those pictures 
and show my patience. And so many times they say, that's it. That's my headache. That's exactly where my headache is. And then I can palpate on them. I can kind of, you know, push on that muscle, hit the trigger point, And then all of a sudden I'm reproducing the exact headache that they have every day. We do the dry needling at that spot. Uh, It does usually take a few times, um, but we can start to see significant improvements in uh, decreasing headache frequency, decreasing headache intensity, um, and just getting people feeling better. But again, it's that's only one part. You know, we have to do some soft tissue work. Again, we want to improve the circulation, but we have to work on education, working on posture, working on uh, strengthening and stability exercises so that we can maintain the gains that we just achieved. So I guess a big takeaway is is if you're a, a patient suffering from headaches or if you are if you know someone, a loved one that is having issues with uh, headaches and migraines that um, there is a direct access law in the U.S. that you can go see a PT, you can get evaluated, um, and and they can help you work towards uh, getting you back to where you were and getting rid of those headaches and being able to to be headache free. And that's huge for some people that have been chronic sufferers. Yeah, those those patients that uh, you know dealing with this day in day out. Um, have tried numerous things. Um, we love, I love working with them because to just to start to make a difference um, is huge. And uh, um, it, it really is life-changing for people who are in chronic pain or who have chronic headaches. Uh, and then to be able to have a day without a headache is huge. Um, and then we just, you know, Stop, you know, um, stack on top of that. Uh, we start to getting two days, three days, a week, you know, and it's just, it's awesome to see those gains. It really is. Well, thanks for coming on and talking uh, to me for a little bit. And um, that was, uh, that was great. Thank you so, very much. And uh, go blues. Go blues. All right. Have a good one. Night. Too.